Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey everyone, PA here, Pastor Adam Burden. Thank you so much for tuning in to our Every Nation channel. And listen, I got news for you. God has got a word for you. God's got a word for you this morning. And so if you've been tracking with us, you, you uh, know we've been in a series we've just called the ABCs uh, of faith. And before we jump back into our series, I need to tell you a story about uh, Dr. Uh, Evan uh, O'Neill Kane. And uh, Dr. Kane, he was actually the chief surgeon at, at Summit uh, Memorial Hospital. And, and get this, he was on the cutting edge uh, of, of uh, local anesthetic. And so if you're not familiar with uh, local anesthesia is, is where you, you, you kind of numb the area as opposed to general anesthesia, where that's where they just put you right out. And, Dr. Kane was, he was concerned with some of the medical side effects of putting somebody under, people with heart conditions, respiratory problems, and he thought this would be a, a safer way to perform surgery. And so get this, on February 15th, 1921, he performed the first ever surgery uh, on a patient with simply local uh, anesthesia. And so uh, can I read you uh, the account? Here it is. Uh, on February 15th, 1921, his patient was prepped for surgery and wheeled into the operating room. After local anesthesia was administered, Dr. Kane cut the patient open, clamped the blood vessels, removed the patient's appendix, and stitched the wound. Two days after surgery, the patient was released from the hospital. It was pretty easy for Dr. Kane to monitor the patient's recovery since the patient was none other than Dr. Kane himself. Did you get that? He operated on himself. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, give me the willies, man. And and listen, uh, I hope you felt that with me. And uh, by the way, uh, by the end of this sermon, uh, you might feel that way as well. All right. And uh, here's my big hope for you today is that uh, by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would perform surgery on yourself. And um, listen, I don't know how many of you have, have ever had your appendix out. I had my appendix out. Uh, unfortunately, it ruptured as I was a nine-year-old kid, and I still remember, man, the agonizing pain because when, when, when an appendix ruptures, man, all these toxins and poisons are released uh, into your body. And, and what we're going to talk about uh, this morning is, is offense. You know, when offenses come and we don't handle them properly, you know what happens? Man, all these toxins and poisons can be released into our soul. It can be like a cancer to your soul. And so, the antidote uh, for offense uh, for us is going to get us back to our ABCs of faith. And as we're talking about F, uh, we're going to discuss forgiveness. Like forgiveness, man, is the cure uh, for offense. It safeguards our soul. Uh, and so, uh, listen, I, I, it's funny. I was in my mind as I was prepping for this, man, just uh, all the areas of our life where there's opportunity to be offended. And I couldn't come up with one place where, where you're, you're not easily offended. And so, like, like for example, 
like like just driving in my car. Like I can't begin to tell you how many times I've been offended by people. Hey, you cut me off and suddenly it becomes personal or someone tells you you're number one and gives you the bird, right? What happens? Man, offense uh, comes in there. Uh, how about uh, even at home? It should be your like safe place. But but how many know, man, the, the greater the intimacy, man, the greater the opportunity to offend somebody. And so, man, you're my, like for my, my girl, Susan, all she has to do is if she ever uses these trigger words, I don't know if you have a trigger word, but my wife will be like, hey, honey, you need to, and then it doesn't matter what she says after that, man, I just turn red and I'm like, I, I feel like my mother's speaking to me, right? And so, what? Well, it's, it's a trigger that, that offends me. Or how about, man, uh, even at your place of work, and listen, just to, to be real, I know we're Christians and we shouldn't do such things, but I know many of you, man, you fantasized and had conversations how you were just going to give it to your boss, right? Because why? He's constantly or she's constantly uh, offending you. And um, if I haven't covered all the places, listen, church. Man, church is a place where you can be offended. How dare she sit in my seat, right? Or then, you know, you got the crazy worship lady, and what's the matter with her, man, with her hands up and all this, loving Jesus so much, and <laughs> right, it, it becomes uh, ridiculous. And so, it was funny, I, I was brought back to, a, man, a beautiful couple uh, in our church. I love them dearly. But it was funny, whenever we would gather together with their family, um, uh, the, the, the father and mother-in-law would come in, and inevitably, they would say something offensive to me or to my wife. <laughs> it, it just happened time and time again. Uh, just for an example, we, we went to a graduation party, and you know we brought the gift, and we were profusely um, bragging on their kids, and and sure enough, the mom, I'm just talking with her, trying to make small talk, you know, trying to get in good. And, and then uh, she looks down and we notice that there's these uh, butterfly moth things flying uh, around our feet. And, and she just, uh, she looks at me straight faced and she goes, oh, I see all those moths there. Your feet must stink because they're attracted to stuff like that. I'm like... Oh, thank you. Right? Did you really just say that out loud? Right? I was so I was so offended, you know. And and uh, in fact, it became the running joke in our house. Like, I wonder how they'll offend us this time. And we actually went to a, a christening together and. After the christening, uh, I left, and, and I, as we were walking out, my wife, I told, babe, we got away. Man, not one offensive thing was spoken to us. And then as we're getting into the car, the dad, not a word of a lie, uh, says, call, he forgot to tell me something, calls me over, and sure enough, bazinga, man, offense. And so uh, so we, we just learned that every time we gather with this family, we know, okay, put your guard up and just know, man, offense is about to come. And I tell you that because, do you know, Jesus says that. He says, man, you better buckle up because I promise you offense uh, will come. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 7, it says, Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses, get this, must come. But woe to that man by whom the offense comes. And um, that word for offense in the Greek, it's a, it's a unique word. It's the word scandalon. It's where we get the word scandalous or scandal. Um, do you know what it literally means in the Greek? It means a trap. A trap. I actually looked it up in the Greek lexicon and it says, man, it's a trap, probably of the type which has a stick, which when touched by an animal causes the trap to shut, right? And, and so offense will do that. It's a trap set by the enemy. And I want to tell you this morning, man, don't take the bait. 
And so uh, I'm not the outdoorsy uh, hunter guy. That's not me. Uh, but guess what? I do know how to hunt and catch a baboon because <laughs> I YouTube that thing. You can do it too. Uh, it's a fascinating, quick little video. But it shows this this uh, guy, you know, in, in the backwoods of, of South America or wherever he was. And and so uh, I guess baboons are extremely curious animals, and they're watching this man. And he's he's got these pumpkin seeds. He's eating them and playing with them. And then he he puts it so that the baboon can see. He puts puts these seeds into a hole. It's just small enough, this hole in, in a tree, uh, that he can set them in there. And, the, and then he goes around the backside of the tree. Baboon curiosity gets the best of him. He comes around and he wants to get those seeds in that hole. And so he sticks his hand in there. But the moment he grasps the seeds, now his hand's too big to get out of the hole. And he's, he's ferociously trying to get his hand out. It won't happen. The tribesman casually walks around. Now the baboon's really losing his mind, but he won't let go of the seed. And sure enough, the, the tribesman comes, puts a noose around his neck. Boom. Now you're my prisoner. And I can't help but think of how many times the devil uses offense and we refuse to let go of that offense. And what happens? Now we're prisoner uh, of the very devil himself. And so, uh, man, like, like unforgiveness, unforgiveness in our heart, forgetting, uh, like not letting go of the seeds uh, of unforgiveness, man, it, it just becomes this heavy weight, this burden that you're forced to carry throughout your life. Uh, I'm thankful for the story of uh, Pastor Jonathan Bacluda. He was talking about a missions trip he went on. Uh, he was going like to the backwoods uh, of South America. And, and so uh, they had to travel extremely lightly. And so as they're, they're boarding the plane, they had to check their, uh, their uh, backpacks and they could be no heavier than 50 pounds. And so another girl who was traveling, traveling with them was a girl by the name of Allie, and she was 54 pounds. And so she was scrambling to get stuff out of her backpack. And, and Pastor uh, Jonathan McCluda, he noticed that she pulled out a bag of rocks. And he's like, what in the world? Why are you bringing a bag of rocks with you? And Allie let him know that, that she was in a recovery program. And in and, and her group, uh, the, the challenge was that, that until you were ready to forgive people, that it had offended you in your life, you're to carry around that rock until you're prepared to forgive, and then you can get rid of it. And so get this, she's carrying around all this weight simply because she fails uh, to, to release it and just let it go and to forgive, right? Um, how about this, that unforgiveness, it literally affects your physical health. Like, um, do you know the word resentment? It, it means to feel it again and how you want to replay over and over in our minds, man, the, the offense and what they did to me. And as you relive it, you realize you, your brain doesn't, uh, doesn't understand it's, that it's in your imagination and, and it'll, you'll release stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline and you're actually stressing your body you're harming yourself in fact um do you know that the, the Mayo Clinic, and so uh, not focus on the family or Christianity today, the Mayo Clinic, uh, they, they uh, after much research, they said, man, if you forgive, do you know what happens? I'll, I'll read you some of the things. Improved mental health, less anxiety and stress, fewer symptoms of de uh, depression, lower blood pressure, a stronger immune system, all the health benefits skyrocket when you choose to just let the seed go. And so, uh, man, I want to encourage us uh, for your good and God's glory, man, to let go uh, of the seed of offense. Let me read to you what uh, uh, Lewis Smeads uh, wrote. He says this. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. 
And so I, uh, well, I want to talk to you this morning about uh, forgiveness. So uh, do you know that, that Jesus, uh, he says this, we read it, offenses must come. And so just brace yourself, buckle up, because they're going to come in your life. But here, you have a, an opportunity. You can allow offense uh, to be a trap, or it can be training. A trap, or it can be training for you. And so I remember, man, as, as, a, as a younger kid, man, I wanted to play in the NHL so bad. And one of my heroes was, was uh, Wayne Gretzky, right? His nickname uh, was the great one, right? And so, man, I always looked up to him. I remember a funny backstory is uh, the first time I played against Wayne Gretzky, he was with the Los Angeles Kings and it was amazing. A five on five fight broke out on the ice and each guy grabbed a player and I had Wayne Gretzky. How crazy is that? And if you don't know, Wayne Gretzky's not a real big guy. So I tried to push him away so I could fight somebody more my own size. And then he pulled me back in and he says, no, Adam, Adam, just stay here. and We'll, we'll stay together like this. <laughs> so it, it was pretty cool but but you know what as a young man as I'm training and training to be like the great one I remember I'd shoot hundreds of pucks again and again and again until I got to the point where I didn't have to see where the puck went I could feel a good shot and do you know in the same way that that uh, that you and I that we can train as a fence comes to our life we can train to be like the true great one like Jesus Christ. And every offense is an opportunity to use it as training. Uh, again, I'll let it go. Again, I'll let it go. Again, I'll let it go. You're training yourself to be like the great one. In fact, I've heard it said this way, that you are most like God uh, when you forgive others. Like you and I were most like God, our creator, uh, when we forgive other people. And so I heard the amazing story of uh, this is after the atrocities of World War II and in, uh, uh, in Warsaw, Poland, there was this ecumenical council of Christian uh, denominations together and, and they were praying for the nation, the healing of the nation. And, and, and simultaneously, a group of German Christians, uh, they, they approached the, uh, this ecumenical council and they asked, hey, could we send a delegation over to repent to the people of Poland? Uh, for the atrocities uh, of World War II, uh, would, that, would you forgive us? And that this uh, ecumenical council of Christians, they said, absolutely not. That there's too much Polish blood sp uh, spilled on the streets of Warsaw. We cannot forgive you. And then they proceeded to go back into their Christian meeting. And it was their tradition to close out the meeting by praying the Lord's Prayer. And so they began, our Father who art in heaven, and they rolled through the prayer until they got stuck at this line. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Oh no, we must forgive the Germans, right? And so uh, it, it was a great picture. In fact, you know, the Lord's Prayer is often called the, the Our Father because, um, man, do you know that when you, uh, you are most like your heavenly Father uh, when you forgive your brother. And so, so man, we can forgive like our father forgives. Or um, sometimes we're going to have to forgive like Jesus the Son forgives. And so you remember uh, a pastor friend of mine, Pastor Tim Delina, he calls this Calvary forgiveness. And so as Jesus, he hung on the cross, an angry a mob screaming out, crucify him, crucify him. Do you remember the words of Jesus? He says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Right. And see, these people, they didn't ask for forgiveness. They didn't even know they needed forgiveness. And yet, what did he do? 
he forgave them anyways. And so, so man, there might be people that, that, man, they're not even asking you for forgiveness. They might not even know that they've offended you. But you know what you can do? Man, you don't need an apology from them, but you can just display the, the forgiveness of the Son, Calvary forgiveness, uh, and forgive them without them even asking. Um, then, uh, then thirdly, man, the Godhead, the f- forgive like the Father, like the Son. How about like the Spirit? Because the, the promise of Jesus was when we receive the Holy Spirit, that we'll have power to be a witness. And I, I got to tell you the story of Rachel Den Hollander. Um, man, she's a, a Christian woman. But do you know, as, as a young girl, she was sexually molested on multiple occasions uh, by the Team USA gymnastics coach, Larry Nasser. And as Rachel Den Hollander, as she, she grew uh, to be an adult woman, she actually became a, an attorney. And she was the first woman uh, to file a, a, a case uh, against Larry Nasser, who would abduct some 265 little girls o- over decades uh, of, of being the, the physician for the gymnastics team. And so, um, do you know what? There was this unbelievable picture as she stood before uh, Larry Nasser uh, and the judge and jury. And, and here's what she said. And it's this blind witness of both forgiveness and justice. And Rachel, she says this, she says to Larry Nasser, you have become a man ruled by selfish and perverted desires. You chose to pursue your wickedness, no matter what it's cost to others. She reminded Nasser that in addition to earthly judgment, he would face a future heavenly judgment in which all of God's wrath and eternal terror poured out on men like you. Yet justice isn't the whole story. There's also mercy. And that is where Den Hollander turned next. Should you ever reach the point of truly facing what you have done, the guilt will be crushing. And that is what makes the gospel of Christ so sweet because it extends grace and hope and mercy where none should be found. And it will be there for you. And then Den Hollander did something miraculous. She offered Nasser her forgiveness. She said, I pray you experience the soul-crushing weight of guilt so you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God, which you need far more than forgiveness for me, though I extend that to you as well. Man, that is the forgiveness. Man, the power of the Holy Spirit to, to extend grace and forgiveness to those that have done, man, the most heinous of things against us. And so... I feel like now might be a good time to just explain like like what forgiveness is not. All right. Here's what we're not saying. Uh, forgiving is not forgetting. Right. You hear these kind of pithy platitudes of forgive and forget. Well, you can't forget what's done to you. We're, we're human beings with a soul. And and listen, uh, we're, we're not like computers or AI where you can just unplug it or hit a reset button. You can't do that. We're just not wired that way. And so you can't forget. All right. But you can choose to forgive. Uh, forgiving uh, is not that you no longer feel the hurt uh, and the pain of the offense of what someone's done to you. You might still continue to feel hurt uh, and pain. In fact, you might not uh, be freed from that hurt and that pain until glory. When Jesus promises, it's at that time, I'm going to wipe every tear from your eye. And so um, uh, forgiveness also doesn't mean this. It, it doesn't mean uh, it's a, that it's a one-time event. In other words, I forgive. And okay, that's that. We're done with that. How many know, man, it can t- t- at times take, take decades to really be able to feel the forgiveness that you give by faith. And I, I'm uh, awestruck by uh, uh, Corey Tenboon. She was actually a survivor. Uh, she was a Holocaust victim uh, in some of the concentration camps. And, and Corey Ten Boone, how many know she's got some stuff uh, to forgive? Uh, and so, yeah, but here's what she learned to do. She learned that 
that when she by faith uh, forgave, uh, she called it, I let go of the rope. And she, she had the picture of a bell that when you ring it, ding, 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 right? When you let go of it, it still begins to ding, ding. The momentum carries it, but slowly and slowly, eventually, it stops. And, and, and that's, the, that's the picture. As you let go and don't join in and rehash uh, the offense, you let it go. Eventually, the momentum of that thing will stop ringing in your soul. Uh, here's another one. Forgiveness, uh, it doesn't equal trust. Listen, because uh, you, you can forgive somebody, but that person might not be safe uh, to be with you. Uh, you can forgive someone, but until they, they prove uh, that they can be trusted, man, uh, I've heard it said this way, that, that trust uh, should be slowly given uh, and quickly lost right and so for forgiveness doesn't equal trust uh, forgiveness it also it doesn't mean that it was no big deal and listen your offense it was a big deal uh, for you and in the eyes of Almighty God we read it that Jesus says woe to you that cause an offense right woe to you those are strong words and so it, it is a big deal so we're not minimizing what was done to you uh, forgiveness it, it also doesn't equal reconciliation I mean, you can forgive somebody, but that doesn't mean you should be reconciled. There might need to be years, distance. We, you might not ever be able to be reconciled again. But hopefully, by the grace of God, man, the two parties could uh, be reconciled. For Here's the last one. Forgiveness uh, doesn't mean that there aren't consequences for your offense. And so, for example, Larry Nasser, while he might be able to receive uh, forgiveness, he's still going to jail because there's consequences for our offenses. And so... Jesus is going to speak directly to this idea of forgiveness in Matthew 18. And uh, I'll read Matthew 18, verses 21 to 22. Uh, it starts like this. It says, uh, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And, and so uh, if I could just pull the lens back here a little bit, you know, in that time, the rabbi said this, that, that how, how many times did you have to forgive somebody? Three times. And so Peter, being like the big show off, he says he decides I'll double it and add one. Uh, seven times, Lord. And what happens? Jesus blows him out of the water. He says, no, uh, 77 times. Some versions say 70 times seven. So that's, I'm not good at math, but 490 times, right, that you have to forgive somebody. And, and here's that Jesus isn't throwing out a number. Uh, for number's sake. In other words, it's like, hey, 489 times, I only have to forgive you one more time. No, that's that's not how it works. But do you know numbers in the scripture are significant? And so we have like the number 10. Uh, it is the number of testing. We get to, that's why there's 10 commandments, right? And uh, there's a 12 is the number of government or authority. That's why there's 12 tribes and there's 12 disciples. And seven uh, is the number of fullness or completeness. That's why there's there's seven days in a week and seven days of, of creation. It, it means it, it's fully uh, finished and complete. And so the Jesus's big idea is, is 70 times seven. So how often do you have to forgive? Fully, completely, and forever, right? That's the big idea Jesus is communicating here. And uh, I don't know about you, but me, sometimes it feels like it takes 490 years to forgive somebody, right? Like like you feel like, oh, I forgave them, and then something just bubbles up again, it bubbles up again. I always joke, it's, it's kind of like uh, my, my golden retriever, Marshall, 
So uh, we're dog people here at Every Nation, New Jersey, but but we can be reconciled with cat people in the name of Jesus. And but uh, man, Marshall, my golden retriever. It's, this is this is the way uh, you know I flow in my house. All right, get off me if you don't do this. But man, I'll have my workout clothes and I'll get changed, showered and changed, and then I'll get my sweaty workout clothes and I'll just open the basement door and chuck them down there, down the stairs. And then next time I go to the basement, I'll grab the sweaty clothes and then I put them in the washer once I get down there. Right? Don't judge me. And so inevitably, I throw my sweaty clothes down there, turn around, go to one room and come back in. Next thing, my sweaty clothes are sitting in the middle of my kitchen floor. And you know why? Because uh, Marshall is a golden retriever. And I don't know if you knew this, but retrievers retrieve. And he just keeps bringing back my dirty laundry over and over again. And so I can't help but think that's kind of like my flesh. Man, I, I want to get rid of a fence, dirty laundry, if you will. And yet my flesh still wants to reach back, grab that, rehash it, relive it over and over again. And I'm, I'm trying to get that dirty laundry uh, out of my life. And, and so, uh, listen, but, but you got to let it go for the glory of God and you're good. And so uh, just, just a little disclaimer, lest you mishear me. Listen, I want you to know, man, I know some of you, man, there are some horrific, horrific things that have been done to you. And I just want you to know, man, my heart breaks for you. God's heart uh, breaks for you. Um, but but I'll, I'll let you know this. Do you know that there's two unforgivable sins uh, in the scripture? Uh, the first one is, is blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. But the second one that's unforgivable is unforgiveness. Let me read to you uh, in uh, Matthew 6, uh, verses 14 to 15. It says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Right? And so I want to plead with you, man, to let go of bitterness and, and unforgiveness, man, uh, for your good and the glory of Almighty God. We can go on in, in Matthew chapter 18. Jesus, he's going to tell a story now uh, that, that's going to illustrate uh, forgiveness and when we when we fail to forgive other people. And and I love it. He grabs people's attention immediately uh, by talking about money. Um, I, I heard the story of a man, one flight attendant. Uh, he got on the loudspeaker. They're getting ready to take off. And, you know, like no one pays attention to the stewardesses and that when they're doing their thing. And, and so he gets on the loudspeaker and he just says, ladies and gentlemen, we found a wallet. Every head picks up. They're looking at the guy, waiting to hear. And he goes, now that I have your attention, uh, make sure your tray tables are, are in their locked position. Make sure your seat backs are full, fully forward uh, and in the upright position, right? And he's like, yeah, he got us by talking about money. And Jesus, he's going to talk about money in this, this instance. And now all eyes are going to be paying attention uh, at this story. Notice this uh, in verse 23. Jesus says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may compare, be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Uh, here's why that's important. Like 10,000 was the highest number uh, in Greek and a talent was the largest denomination. Uh, scholars would say today it, it was worth six billion dollars. Uh, for the record, how do you get in six billion dollars uh, worth of debt? Verse 25, it says, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. 
So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. You need to pay attention to that verse. And then verse 27, and it says, uh, out of pity uh, uh, for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But, but when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. For the record, that'd be about 12 grand today. It's significant, but it pales in comparison to six uh, a billion dollars. And it says, and seizing him, he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. Verse 29, so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Uh, that's, those are the exact words that the one that was forgiven the debt uh, prayed to, to the king. And now he, he the, with the exact same appeal, what happens? Verse 30, he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And as well, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. Verse 32, then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I, as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And so... Uh, Here's like, like Jesus is telling this parable, this story, and by the end of it, you're supposed to see the, the one guy who failed uh, to forgive the debt. You're supposed to go, this guy's a jerk. I hate this guy. And then man, they would have looked to Jesus and said, man, who, that guy's an idiot. And Jesus would have said, right? And that's all of us when we fail to forgive our brother because we've been forgiven so much. So uh, there's a, a guy, uh, uh, Don, is, is in my church, and he owns a jiu-jitsu studio. And I, I remember Don telling me this. He says, he said, uh, PA, you know, there's people come in, and they have, like, these, uh, like, different colored belts. It's, it's, it's what level you are in jiu-jitsu. He says, but I learned this. He says, it doesn't matter what color uh, belt uh, you, you wear. It's when you get on the mat and in the ring that determines what belt you really are. And do you know, in a real way, that you can call yourself a Christian, and uh, man, you can carry a big old Bible. You can go to church every Sunday, go to a small group. But at the end of the day, man, when you are offended, that will reveal uh, what you really believe and know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, um, uh, man, I, I heard this uh, this story uh, uh, about Gandhi. Uh, a, a young mom approached Gandhi and asked him, uh, hey, would you please speak to my daughter? Uh, she's eating too much sugar. Gandhi paused and he was like, um, come back to me in two weeks. The woman looked perplexed, but she followed up two weeks later. She, she came to Gandhi, brought the, her daughter and says, uh, please, would you speak to my daughter? She's eating too much sugar. This time, Gandhi got down eye level with the little girl. And he says, she says, sweetheart, you're eating far too much sugar. Stop eating so much sugar. She smiled, okay, and went away. But then the mom asked, why did you make me wait two weeks? And he said, ma'am, when you asked me to rebuke her for eating too much sugar, I was eating too much sugar. So I needed two weeks where I'd not eat so much sugar, right? And, and so uh, to be honest with you, uh, that's what I feel like. I feel like, hey man, let me preach this sermon 
two weeks from now because I feel a little bit like a hypocrite. Um, you know, this past week, a point of transparency, I'm, I'm driving my wife to the, to the airport. We're right in rush hour traffic, drop her off. And still, I'm, I'm just in the thick of rush hour. And I'm actually listening to sermons on forgiveness, uh, how to not be bitter, not be angry. And I'm listening to these sermons and I'm so aggravated by the woman in front of me. Like she's, she's driving like 30 miles in the fast lane. I'm like, I give her the horn. And then I thought, oh my gosh, I'm the jerk in the story. Like I'm the one not extending grace and mercy when I've been extended so much grace and mercy from Almighty God. And I just had to just ask the Lord, forgive me for being such a jerk. Uh, Lord, give me grace uh, that I might extend grace to other people. And so I, this morning, uh, I don't want you to hear me saying, like leaning against the cross, you need to forgive. You need to forgive people. Man, that's just not the case. That I, I'm kneeling at the cross and I want to encourage you, man, to, to come kneel with me and, and let's receive the forgiveness that Jesus richly offers that we might be a conduit uh, of that forgiveness. And so uh, I'm going to end our time together with this, this final story. Um, remember I mentioned uh, Corey Tenboon. And so uh, um, if you don't uh, are not familiar with her story, she, she housed uh, Jews until uh, uh, one uh, man turned in her family. And so her family was sent to the work camps, concentration camps. And, um, and as she was in there, uh, Corey uh, was in with her sister, Betsy. And, and through uh, malnutrition, abuse, uh, Betsy died at Ravensbrook, um, and this horrific place, uh, this horrific, horrific work camp. And, um, and so, but Corey made it out. And then uh, she's, a, she's a Christ follower. In fact, she went in uh, and she went on a tour just, uh, just preaching, uh, preaching uh, forgiveness that we receive in Jesus and that we extend to other people. And as Corey's preaching a sermon on forgiveness, she looks out into the crowd and she sees the guard from Ravensbrook. Um, and uh, uh, after after the she preaches a, a sermon on forgiveness, everyone leaves the building, but the, the Ravensbrook uh, man uh, walked to the front and approached uh, Corey Tenboon. And, and she says, uh, he said, um, uh, Fraulein, that was an amazing uh, sermon uh, on forgiveness. And he says, I just wonder, um, you mentioned Ravensbrook. He says, I was a guard at Ravensbrook, but I've since become a Christian and I've, I've received the forgiveness of God. And he says, now I would like to ask you, can I have your forgiveness? And she was like, all these thoughts were racing through her mind. I can't do this. You're responsible for the death of my sister, Betsy. So much horrific shame and suffering that you put us through. And all these things are, and she just prayed uh, this quick prayer. and And I would like to read it to you. She said, Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much, but you must supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, uh, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, it raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. And she cried out, I forgive you, brother, and with all my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely uh, as I did then. Let's pray. Father, uh, Lord, I just want to pray this morning, God, as we we focused on on this idea of forgiveness. And Lord, uh, I pray, God, for those um, that have their hand grasped on an offense. 
and they refuse to let it go. Lord, even this, this message has been, it, it's like irritating, uh, Lord. It's, it's, it's something that they, they don't want to hear. But Father, I pray, much like Corey, uh, that Lord, that there would be a grace and a power. And even if you would offer up by faith, uh, forgiving the one that, have, that has offended you, that I believe that the, whole, the power of the Holy Spirit will be poured out uh, and the grace to forgive uh, will be there. Lord, I pray and ask it in Jesus' name. God, for your glory and our good. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, uh, every nation. Before uh, uh, we finish up, the sermon's over with. But one more thing I'd like to remind you of is that that you can be faithful in your tithing uh, and your giving. And so there's three ways that you can uh, give and, and help support us here at Every Nation New Jersey. Uh, you can go to our website, encnj.org, and just hit the giving icon. Uh, or you can give via text if you just text the letters ENCNJ to the number 77977. It's a very convenient way to give. That's how my family and I choose to give. Uh, or you can mail in your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And listen, may God richly and abundantly bless you as you're faithful in your tithing and your giving. Every nation, Jesus loves you. And I think you're pretty amazing too. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.